Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. The Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're going to be looking at this week, Colin. Why have you chosen this passage? I think every now and again, it's good for us to get a chunk of Jesus' teaching. And that is what the Sermon on the Mount is. Now, whether we accept it as one sermon that Jesus preached on a particular occasion, or whether it's a collection of different things he said at different times, so that Matthew gives us a typical sermon of Jesus, doesn't much matter, because what we want to focus on is what he said. And this is really a sermon about practical Christian living. It's very challenging because the teaching of Jesus is very challenging, but at the same time, it's very um, encouraging. And I think at this time of year, as we uh, begin to think of moving towards Easter, this is the ideal kind of teaching for us to measure our lives against. Are we actually putting what Jesus said in this sermon into practice? It's one thing to know the Word of God. It's another thing to practice the Word of God. And what um, Jesus is concerned about is that we're living the Sermon on the Mount. We're not just reading it or studying it, but we're seeing his teaching expressed in our daily lives, both at an individual level and corporately. We find it, of course, in Matthew chapter 5. So do you think that Jesus spoke these words, taught in this way, at the beginning of his earthly ministry? Well, I mean, I personally think that um, uh, this is a typical sermon that Jesus, he would have been preaching these things all the way through his ministry. And, uh, you know, you, you, you think of what uh, a preacher has to do in the church today. You don't say something once and expect everybody to hear it and do it. You keep repeating the same things again because you know that people are only going to put the Word of God into practice when they've heard it sufficiently and understood it sufficiently uh, to see how important it is for them to respond positively to what is said. Some people describe it as his manifesto. Would that be fair? Well, it, it is in one sense, um, but uh, this is, as I said just now, a sermon about practical Christian living. There are all kinds of other aspects of the gospel that Jesus doesn't even touch on in the Sermon on the Mount. So it certainly wouldn't be his manifesto. It would be a part of his manifesto. If you want his manifesto, you have got to look at the teaching of the four gospels and put it all together. That's his manifesto, really. Well, we read at the beginning of chapter 5 of Matthew, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Now, what's the significance of this? Well, of course, Jesus would go into positions where the, the landscape formed a natural auditorium, where his voice would carry. And there are places like that, of course, not only in Israel, but, but all over the world, natural amphitheaters, really. So he, he goes to a place where he can speak, because, of course, there was no um, 
tannoy system in those days. Um, so there's no sound system. So Jesus has got to project his voice, but of course you need the the um, the circumstances to be such that his voice is going to carry easily. And he sat down. Now the significance of that is that in Jesus' time, the practice was about the diametric opposite of what we know today. When the preacher sat down, he was going to speak with authority. He wasn't to be interrupted. He was going to speak really uh, from the throne of God as far as Jesus is concerned. When he stood up, then he could engage in debate, discussion with his disciples. They could ask questions and so on. So if the rabbi sat down, everybody was all ears because this was going to come as revelation. So he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying. Now, the first problem we have with the Beatitudes is that they're sort of known as the Beatitudes. And we sort of reel them off, blessed are the poor in spirit, without really... Um, uh, sort of stop, stopping to think, well, what is actually Jesus saying? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have in the studio with me today um, my own translation of this that is going to be published in a couple of months, but um, I actually turn these things around so that they, they're not heard in the familiar way. So I say, the humble in spirit are blessed. Uh, because the emphasis actually is not on blessing, but who is blessed. Well, the poor in spirit, the humble in spirit, those who recognize their need of God, they are blessed. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is theirs. We have to accept the gift of the kingdom as little children we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may in due time exalt us. In what way does he exalt us? He makes us part of the kingdom of heaven. Now, of course, that's not what will happen to us when we die. We're part of the kingdom of heaven now. Once we're born again and have received the Spirit of God, then we are part of that heavenly kingdom now. And Jesus teaches us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So actually this whole sermon is about kingdom living, how to live the life of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It teaches us the principles of God's kingdom. And as we go through this sermon during the coming weeks, we will see one principle after another, which gets reflected in several other areas of Jesus' teaching. These are really the principles or the laws, if you like, of the kingdom of God, not the religious laws of the Old Testament, but the laws or principles of the kingdom. And the first of these is that the, the humble, those who humble themselves before God, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then we read, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, um, Jesus is not talking there 
uh, simply about people that mourn someone dying. Um, you know, you don't have to wait for someone to die to be blessed. The word blessed means really um, happy, contented, fulfilled. It, it's all of those things. Uh, happy are those who mourn, you see. If you translate it like that, you say, well, wait a minute. What does that mean, happy are those who mourn? Uh, if, you, if you think in terms of um, mourning someone's death, that just doesn't seem to add up. No, what Jesus is talking about is people grieving over sin, grieving over the condition of the world, grieving over the needs of people all around. Uh, they will be comforted. Now, why will they be comforted? Because when you reach out to others because of your compassion, you receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. The measure you sow is the measure you reap. So those who are really concerned about all the people around them, they shall be comforted. Now, to be comforted is not to be consoled, but to be strengthened in Scripture. Um, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's the one who comes alongside us to give us help, to strengthen us, to enable us. So you see, if you, uh, this is the problem with translating things from one language to another and from one uh, era to another, that words can mean uh, something so totally different. You look at this and you, you think, first of all, what Jesus is saying, all those who are mourning the loss of a loved one are blessed and God will come alongside them and say, there, there, it's all right, my dear. And actually, um, that's not what Jesus is talking about at all, really. He's saying those who mourn the fact that God's purpose and God's will is not being fulfilled, those who want to reach out to, to really do something about the needs of people all around, they're going to be comforted, they're going to be strengthened, they're going to be enabled, and they're going to be blessed because of their concern for others and not just for themselves. And then uh, Jesus says, the meek, um, the, the, the humble uh, are blessed and they will inherit the earth. Now, uh, meekness and poor in spirit is a little bit different. The poor in spirit are humble in the sense that they recognize their need of God. The meek are those who continue to live in humility. They're not seeking um, acclaim and fame and position and recognition. Um, they, they recognize that everything in their lives is to be done for the glory of God. And you see, what is, what is God's purpose? In what way does he want to be glorified? Well, he wants the whole of his creation. He wants everything on earth to glorify and magnify him. So the, the meek those that walk in that humility and dependence upon God, they are actually going to inherit the earth with him because these are the people who are submitted and sold out to the purposes of God. They're not seeking any um, great acclaim of their own. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 